It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield and John Maracle. Loud Pipes, episode 99. 99. 99 problems and my bike ain't one. Or as John says... Bottles, <laughs> bottles on the wall. <laughs> uh, Went down, pass it around. Well, Hogan's not here. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Not much. Just getting ready for this this lovely storm that's heading our way. How about you? Same, same. Got a little hurricane on its way. Mother in law is okay. They, what is it? Irma went through and tried to tried to smash everything up, but she's all right. Everything's good. Well, that's good. That's good. I know we talked about that. I checked on with you last night. And you just said that, but you said she has some family on Antigua that they haven't heard from at all. So I yeah. hope they're okay. Yeah, that island got hit hard. So we haven't we haven't heard anything from there. So we will wait and see. Yeah, man. So so you know, since we've been so delayed tonight and getting this show rolling, <laughs> did did you get a beverage by chance? I did, and I. I have to say it it is kind of strange recording this one because we've put most of our effort this week and even some of last week into getting ready for 100 and sort of the planning around that. And because we took that one week off, not too far, not too long ago here. So now we're kind of in a position of having to get 99 out so that we can do 100 Saturday, which is two days from now. Yeah, man. But yeah, long story short, I do have a beer. This is from High Wire Brewing. They are here in Charlotte somewhere, though it's not a brewery that I've been to. And this is called, I can't say it, Zirkus Fest, I think is how they say it, but it's an Oktoberfest beer anyway. So we'll give this a try. 6%, unfiltered, 12 cold ounces. Well, sweet, man. Nice, nice. Mm-mm. That'll do. And what about you? So, so since it's getting near the holiday time, you know, and you're drinking your Oktoberfest, you know, right around the corner comes Thanksgiving, right? Indeed. So I have not your mom's apple pie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Thanksgiving in a bottle. <laughs> nice. How is it? Uh, not bad. Got a nice, a little bit cinnamon. You know, got a little, little extra cinnamon, but mm-hmm. it's not bad. Is it strong? Uh, five five. All right, not too bad. Mm-mm. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of, kind of sad we don't have Hogan tonight because I thought we would take the first couple minutes and just sort of talk about, I guess mentally, right? Like where we're at, coming up on a hundred episodes, three years of doing the show. You know, that's a that's an interesting feeling. What about you? Yeah, man, it's been it's been an interesting uh, two and a half for me because you guys kind of you know I came in the party a little late. Oh, like ten episodes? Come on. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, which was twenty weeks back in the day. Yeah, every other. It's been really interesting. It's been a lot of fun. I feel we've met a you know I'm not sure if you really want to get into it, but we've met a lot of interesting people, talked to a lot of people, and I think something that we have done and give a big shout out to the guys that we have in the clubhouse and all those guys in the community that we've 
reach through the U.S. and internationally. Really great group of guys. And enjoy chatting with them and hanging out with them. Yeah. One of my many groups I'm part of. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's That's been kind of the interesting part of, of doing the whole podcasting thing is, you know, we started out thinking we were we were developing a show and sort of growing an audience, but with the clubhouse and the things that we're doing uh, with the supporters, it's really become more like a community, you know, well, community is a light way of saying it. it's really more of like a big family. It's like an extended part of our family. Yeah. So it's, it's really an interesting feeling to, to have that part be growing and, and sort of becoming its own thing, almost, you know, separate from the show, which is, you know, which is its own thing. Yeah, I hope the show never goes away, but the biggest thing is, is in reality, and these guys, I would love to, if anything ever stops with the show, is somehow stay in contact with these guys and just keep socializing with them and hanging out with them, you know, chatting with them. And I'm not saying the show's going anywhere, so don't think I'm saying that. <laughs> I was like, what are you saying? What are you setting us up for? No, no, I'm not setting us up for anything. But it's been a good, it's been a good three years. We've done a lot of cool events. Barber. I'm not on the right page. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Now you got some editing to do. Um, you know, going down to Atlanta, busting the news about the bike. Oh. Yeah. All right. So many good things. And we'll save them for Saturday. Save them for Saturday. New topics. Well, the big news that we saw today. Yeah, what do we got? And we're gonna we're gonna do our we're gonna do our news roundup later in the show. We have a couple of other news stories we're gonna hit with our rapid fire style, but uh, we have one that we want to touch on because I think this is big enough to warrant its own topic. So, Ducati, if you were listening, unveiled a new V4 today, which is being called the Desmo Sedici Stradale. And if I'm mangling that, I apologize, but <laughs> a new V4 for Ducati. And I know, John, you're saying, wait, wait, what? Ducati's all twins, right? Yeah, all twins. What happened here? What happened? Well, in the MotoGP side of the house for racing, they are racing V4s, and they have been since, what did we find, 2003 or so? Yeah, 10 years. 10 years? Okay, so it'll be a little wouldn't be wouldn't be quite that far back, but so they've been racing a V4 in MotoGP for some time now, and this is a new version of that engine. But the news really is that this engine is coming to the street. So as we've heard, oh. as we've heard Hogan and other people talk about, you know, Ducati's infamous twins. Now it looks like the Panigale is going to be the first one to get this new V4 for the street. So. What do you think about that, John? I know you've got, in your, your various circles, you've got some Ducati fans over there. What are they saying about the news? Oh, man. So, you know, we had a little chat today uh, in the Moto Nobodies. You know, Rogue is a very big Moto, or Moto not Moto Guzzi, there I go, uh, Ducati rider. And his, his comment is, it's very interesting, very cool to see it come out. Now, I'm sure he's all in on the V-Twins, right? He just... Is he, is he, 
was the he word I'm looking for. He's is he disappointed that it's going to be a V4 and a Panigale? Because I know he was looking at that bike at one point. No, it didn't. It didn't seem like he said anything like that. That's where I was going with that. It we didn't touch on it being that bad. He thought there was a new bike coming out as well, but as more researching found that that's in November. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the Ducati World Premiere is where, on November 5th, is where we'll first see uh, the new street bike. But they unveiled the engine today over live stream, I assume. Yeah, but I find it really cool that they did do this because since it's been 10 years in MotoGP, that would, I would hope that they would work out all the quirks they might have had with the engine. With the reliability, you know, track time, you know, you know, wringing the neck out of the engine and tweaking it. I mean, I would think they have had it worked out pretty darn well. Yeah. Yeah. Time to work on mainly, I would say, reliability and, and also mass production. You know, making a, making a dozen engines to go racing is not the same thing as making 12,000 of them to put into a street bike. Right. Um, and go ahead. And the other thing, well, not trying to, at the same time, and we won't dive into this very much, but at the same time, tonight, doing some research on that, I saw an article talking about how Royal Enfield is still in the hunt to buy Ducati. And that was something that we got in the chat with Rogue today as well, and come to find out that over in Germany or with VGA, or VAG, sorry, VAG, that the union labor group has to agree to buy or sell as well. And they are on a very hard no. Hmm. So that that's something that he dug up and has seen in his news tracking. So, okay. Well, before we get too far, let's play a little sample of what we're talking about just oh, yes. for the comparison of the two different types of engines. So the first sound is going to be, I would say the outgoing Panigale. So this is the 1299 version. Uh, this might have an aftermarket can on it. I don't know if this is stock or not, but the guy is riding it in a tunnel. And this is from the Colors of Mayhem channel on YouTube. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for the full video, but here's a little snippet of that sound. bad nice sound isn't it yeah nice sound it sounds do you have a sound with it just idling mm, no not not handy so have you listened to it idling um not lately are, are you gonna are you referring to the clatter <laughs> well yeah does it clatter like the 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 other favorite v4 we like well the the 1299 is a twin but the the clatter that you'd be referring to is the dry clutch Okay. But they don't all use that though. I don't I don't think the new ones use that anymore. But yeah, the older ones certainly did. It was a dry clutch exposed and you got quite a bit of noise from that. Since we're talking about that real quick and not trying to get on, does am I correct the modus uses a dry clutch too, correct? No, I don't think so. The the clatter you're hearing on that is something different. Okay, because if you want to dive into a little bit, um sure, go ahead. in the group as well, the local motor blogger 
in the area went over here to Garcia and did test ride out. And they did a, we were in a chat room with, with Matthew and Rogue talking about the, the Ducati or the, or the Modus. The Modus. He's like, trying to figure out the rattle noise. And he's like, what the hell is that sound at idle? <laughs> Rogue calls it the dry clutch. He thinks it's a dry clutch. Yeah, it's a dry clutch sound, but it, the bike, to my knowledge, does not have a dry clutch. Okay. Yeah, the sound is something else. I don't know if it's something in the flywheel or the valve train or somewhere, but we can we can dig that up and you turn it on 100 live. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can. That's what they're saying. So it does sound a lot like uh, Ducati's dry clutch. That's where a lot of people, when they hear that, that's what they're thinking. But my understanding, it is it is something else, and it does go away once you rev it up and get going. You don't hear it. So who yeah. who was riding the bike? Uh, so it's a local rider named uh, Dodge Rider. Dodge Rider, okay. And he goes around and does a lot of stuff, and he wrote it. And Matthew was listening to it, and they're trying to figure out the noise. And I thought it was something in the valve train, and so. Okay. Do you have a does he have a video of that? We can put yeah, he does. A link to okay. You want me to dig it up? I can work on trying to dig it up. Yeah, TD, do your thing. You don't have to do it right now. All right. And now for comparison, let's play a little sample of this new V4, which, like I said, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but Desmo Sedici Stradale is what I'm going to call it. And this is from one of Ducati's videos, so we'll put links to that to Ducati's website and on YouTube where you can see they're actually running it on a bench and it looks like on a simulator, you know, they were running the engine through its paces, simulating it uh, going through one of the racetracks. Cool. That's different, huh? It is. I think it needs a different exhaust on it. Yeah, I didn't, and I'm not sure what they had on it, but, and, and that, of course, was one of the, that little sound clip was from one of the longer straightaways, so that was somewhere between, looked like 12 and 14,000 RPM, right. which is where you may or may not be riding at that high on the street. <laughs> Correct. So I thought it was neat, and I think, I think bringing that to the street is is an interesting move. I think it's going to be a good move for Ducati. You know, it's time for you know a nice big update for the Panigale, so that'll be neat. And they they did a nice send off. The final edition. I was watching some YouTube videos earlier today, and I believe it was yesterday or Tuesday. Um, watching some videos of the final edition bike, and that's just gorgeous. That's going to be a super collectible piece as the years go on. Yes. It's going to be very cool to see what they do. That's what Rogue should get. What's that? Rogue should get one of the final editions. That way, you know, you can just ride it a little bit with his other bikes and not put too many miles on it and keep it as a collectible piece. I don't know. We'll see. He's still got that victory, and that's part of the... We'll see. He's got the Hypermotar, though. That's true. That's true. 
And he, I think he likes that bike. At least the videos I've seen of him riding that, I think he really likes that. Yeah. That style of bike seems to fit him. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I don't know. Do you, any details on here that kind of strike your fancy? You know, we could go on and on about the details, but I think. It's kind of neat to see. I think manufacturers are moving away from the twins to four cylinders or V4s or some type of four or three. I'm wondering if they're all going to eventually move that way. Maybe Larry's prediction of the the triple Sportster was actually onto something. Yeah. I thought he just had one too many beers, but (laughs) maybe not. No, no, no. He he might be there. I I don't know. See what happens. I don't know. I don't think you could see. I don't think Harley. I don't think you'll see it in Harley. Well, maybe. Let's put it that way. Maybe in a Sportster, you could see it. Oh, triple? Oh, I don't know. That's a stretch. But not in the, you know, true and true bikes. Not the street glide, the road glides. You're not going to see them in the big baggers. I think you got a better chance of seeing a V4 out of Harley before you see a, a triple. All right, well, wait and see what happens. Maybe we should have a little side bet. Side bet. A little podcast side bet. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Well, Larry's got better information than me, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when it that's comes true. to that stuff. That's true. I don't I don't know. It's it's I think the, there's vantage points and we talked about that earlier this week in the clubhouse talking about vibration and hand getting numb. Yeah. You know, I know you say you don't get it. I get it. Depends on certain days, certain rides. And that's one reason why I've been trying to change the grips. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with the power plant, though. You know, I'm I'm riding a big twin. You know, it's not turning the same amount of RPMs. You know, mine is balanced, so it's got two big counterbalancers in it. So, you know, I have two big advantages over something like yours that probably spins several thousand more RPM than I do at the same speed. You know, speed for speed. You know, you're probably, I would dare say you're two grand above me. Yeah, at, well, you don't know what your tech is. At running 80, I'm running about six grand. Yeah, I'd have to look. I I think the red line on mine is probably six grand, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So while we're sitting here before you get, what do you think about the new Ducati V4? You like it? I do. And my, the main thing I like is just a v4 itself i mean i love the sound of the aprilia um the rsv4 i love the sound of that love the sound of the modus and well that's a different animal with the the push rod engine but and and even the vfrs you know i've been listening to a bunch of those on youtube as well so yeah the v4 as a as a layout as a powertrain is kind of speaking to me you can get the high revs out of it you know you get the sport bike character but you got the rumble of the V and it's a distinctive sound. You know, it's not another inline four sport bike. You know, it's not another big V twin going down the road. It has its own unique little character. So I'm excited to hear that and see that in Ducati's bikes. And above all, I can't wait to ride them. Yeah. And one of the interesting things here while I was trying to dig up some other information from trying to get a hold of rogue to kind of chat with him a little bit before the show was Matthew that has been on the show throughout that. If they took this V4 and put it in a multi-strata, he'd be all over it. 
I have to agree with that. I was thinking the same thing. If this power plant makes its way into the Multistrata 1200, boy, that would be tugging at the old wallet pretty hard. Because mm. it's mm. it's a nice platform. I mean, I don't know. Just just that something about that twin that's in it, I'm not really digging. Not in that configuration. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Want to talk a little flat track? Yes, let's talk about some flat tracks since we haven't talked about it recently. Well, hang on, we did talk about it last week, and it was kind of cool to listen to the last week's show and listen to Chris talk about the flat track racing and different insights. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of fun listening back to last week's episode. You know, after I finished the editing, I played it through. I, I always play a little bit of it on different devices, just a little quality control, but I listened to the whole thing again after the editing was done. and. It was so much more fun sitting back and and listening to Chris talk about the bikes and hearing his passion about that and the racing. It was just, it was great. So, yeah, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, big thanks again to to Chris Wiggins and check out um, uh, check out episode ninety eight. That's one uh, not to be missed. Correct. All right, so let's talk about flat track racing. What you got for me? Well, flat track racing. So this conversation came out of the clubhouse earlier today. And this was Roger as well. Was he the one who started the hand grip conversation or was that Chris? It was Chris. That was Chris. Okay. Um, but we were, we were kind of talking about, you know, what, what is it that's putting Indian at the top and, you know, why is Harley sucking wind so bad this year? And, you know, what, what can they do to change it? Is it going to be riders? Are they going to have to improve the engine, the bike, you know, what, What's going to have to change to get Harley to the front? And we spent a good amount of time on that. And I figured, let me take a look at some of the stats. And I don't have everything in front of me that I wanted, but I think I have enough to sort of get my my point across. All right. But my conclusion is different than what I thought before I started looking at the data. So what I thought I was going to find was that you know, we all said, well, we're tired of sitting here in Indian win and sweep the podium, blah, blah, blah. And I think, John, after like six or seven races, you and I, or at least I know I did, and I'm pretty sure you did, we just kind of gave up. Yes. Watching. I did. So I got to read something off to you here. Okay. And you kind of let me know what this sounds like. All right. So first I'm going to do the winners. Let's see how many. One, two, three, four, five. I'll do it seven. So here's your winners for seven races: Kawasaki, Indian, Indian, Kawasaki, Indian, Kawasaki. Okay, that's a lot different than the first few races, now, wasn't it? Is that is that recent seven races? That's the last seven. Okay. All right. Indian won the first eight, and they swept the podium four times in the first eight races. Okay, so <laughs> that's why Cowie, we gave up. <laughs> who's been running? The, who's been riding the Cowie? Oh, now you're gonna make me dig. Okay, never mind. It's okay. Let me switch my mouse. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you had these numbers. Well, no, so, hold on. Let me get. Let me get to my point. So. I didn't get a chance to go back to 2016, but the interesting thing was when Indian won, 
and they were followed by an Indian. The difference between first and second place for all but one race was less than a second. And most of them were under a tenth of a second. Hmm. So that tells you how close the finishing order has been when Indian runs one, two, or one, two, three. So the one that, that kind of skews it is the first one, the Daytona TT. It was nine seconds. But then when you go to Atlanta, Indian was one, two, three, and the interval was 1.185. You know, Charlotte half mile, 3.7. And then the rest of them were under a second. Arizona mile was five hundredths of a second. Sacramento mile, Indian again, one, two, three. It was 0.025 was the interval between first and second. So it was just interesting. I kind of thought I was going to see, and I, I guess what I should go back and look at now, and I, we'll have to make a U-turn on this for sure, is now I want to see the interval between the Indians and the rest of the field, if that makes any sense. So, for example, the most recent race, let's go all the way back, was the Springfield Mile, second time this year at the Springfield Mile. Jared Meese is the winner on an Indian. Brad Smith was second. Point zero two one back. Brad Baker was third, also on Indian. Point zero five one back. So the first three finished within less than a tenth of a second of each other. Hmm. Then when you get back to fourth place, Sammy Halbert, he was on a Yamaha. Then it was a little under two tenths, and then the first Harley rounds out the top five. Brandon Robinson, he was over two seconds behind at that point. So it was just just interesting, and I, I need to like I, said, I need to dig a little deeper because I really thought I thought I was going to see something different, and the big surprise was just all the different bikes that I saw on the podium after we sort of gave up on flat track for the year. Here's where I think, excuse me, I thought that we were going to see was I thought it was going to be a big Indian Harley rival. Yeah, and Indian just didn't show, or I mean Harley just didn't show up. What do you think is going to happen next year? Or what do you think Harley needs to do to get step it up? I mean, now since you looked at it, you're seeing that Yamaha and Cowie have stepped up and have fixed or, you know, are, are giving Indian a little run for the money. Have stepped up. Well, Kawasaki's running a bike, to my knowledge, they've been racing for a few years. So that should be a proven platform. The Yamaha is newer, but I think it still has a year under its belt. I think this is the second, or maybe this is the third year for that one. Right. And the other thing is the is Cowie's running a 650, so they're down 100 cc's. Yeah, have we confirmed that yet? It's called a 650, but do we know for sure that there? I was trying to find that earlier, and I couldn't find it. I'll see what I can find for us. The difference comes down to. We had a little philosophical difference in the, the chat room earlier, which is, you know, is it the riders or is it the bikes? Because remember, Indian not only came out with a new bike, but they took all the top talent. Right. They took the, the reigning champion who was riding a Kawasaki at the time. They took the last champion to ride a Harley. So, you know, they basically got the three best guys in the sport, arguably the three best guys running for them. So, you know, some would say, you have the best riders, you're going you're gonna to have the best finishes. But you have to have the hardware, too, to go with it. 
So I, I'd like to see those guys jump on the, the Harleys and just see, see what it does. Correct. Well, man, that's a question for uh, Chris. Is, you know, any insight on that, Chris? That'd be something to go back to him and say, I know he's in the hooligan class. I know he's a little different, but it's like maybe yeah, they have some, knows. maybe they've jumped on bikes and practice or something or off air just to see what they could do. Well, the bigger question for Harley is what are they going to offer them? Right? So these guys have gone over to Indian. They've been winning everything. Indian's already wrapped up the manufacturer's championship. Jared's most likely going to wrap up the rider championship. Right. So what what is Harley going to offer him? Hey, come over and ride our, you know, sixth place bike. <laughs> what are they going to give him? Money, I guess. Throw a pile of cash at their feet. Well, or you just ride it out and wait for some young talent to come up from the twins or the single class and come up, you know, or, or fare something out differently what they can do. Could be. Yeah, Roger agrees. Money. <laughs> Or do you get one of the guys from the Cali bike, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's going to have to be some changes to the bike, too. I, I don't know if they're going to get as crazy as come up with an all-new engine like Indian did, or if I expect that XG750 to be quite massaged before they start again here in Daytona in the spring, if it hasn't been already. It is a 649cc engine. It is. Okay. Yep. I found an article. The, the 649cc unit is more than capable as a race engine, even if it comes from a budget-minded road bike. Nice. Well, yeah, that's that's even more of an embarrassment to Harley because they're getting beat on a bike that has 100cc less. Yep. You know, it's one thing for Indian to kick you in the teeth, but then a you know, 650 to take your trophy too. Well, they did last year as well, but <laughs> well, that's, that's, I guess that's throwing salt in the wound at this point. Well, that's right, because last year winner was on a Kawasaki and a rider that went to Indian. Correct. So maybe it is the rider. So yeah, I guess I'm going to side with Roger a little bit. I think we were giving a little too much credit to Indian's new bike, but I think we got to give a big thumbs up to you know Jared, Brian, and Brad kicking everyone's butt over there on the Indian side. Yeah, now it'd be interesting because how long did they, I mean, we don't know, or maybe you do know, how long contract did they sign? And would the one of them want to, you know, right, jump ship just because, I mean, after a while, great, you, you're winning everything, but, you know, it's always fun to lead, but, you know, sometimes you do like a challenge. That's my little input. Well, and I think the the other draw could be you know, money, big contract, um, or if a new bike comes on the horizon. I know Harley's XG was new this year as well, but right because they didn't really race it last year. They did some, but they they didn't compete with it. They were still running the XR last year. And then the next little thing to think about is that you know Harley's into drag racing. And they've been tearing up drag racing for many years. Mm. Or, so that's the other thing you kind of look at is, yeah, they're back into dirt track racing, but did they fully put all the 
R&D they needed to. Yeah. And they're more focused on still drag racing. So my, my stance on the bike though, well, my, one of my first comments in the clubhouse was that when I was watching the Indians, especially on the miles, you could just see them pulling bike lengths all the way down the straightaway. So now I know Zion said some of the key to flat track is the torque, you know, getting off the corner, getting off the corner well positions you to run faster down the straightaway, which makes sense. But the Indian seems to have more motor to make up down the straightaway even more, even if they come off the corner together with other bikes, they're pulling away. So I'm looking at the Sturgis race. Well, this is the Black Hills half mile, but when you look at the the standings here, Indian was one, two, three, but they were only about a little over a second apart. And then the fourth place bike was another second and a half back from that. And the fifth place bike was two and a half seconds back from the fourth place bike. So there was a pretty good margin between the top three Indians and then the next two uh, bikes in the finishing order. So it was just interesting to look at some of this and even the the fastest laps. You know, when you look at the fastest laps, as is often the case, the winner gets the fastest lap of the race. And, you know, the other bikes are, are right in there, but some of them, you know, half second off the pace, you know, eight tenths. You know, and then as you fall down the ranks, you know, full second off the the best lap. But that's where I seem to see a bigger difference. Let's look at the Springfield mile as well. Um, so there's another one. So the interval between first and third was not even a tenth of a second. We already went through that. So when you get to fifth, there's a whole bunch of bikes from fifth place all the way back to 10th where they were all about two and a half seconds behind the Indians, but they were all together. That group of bikes, which was mostly Kawasaki's one, one Harley and one Yamaha, they were all within not even a 10th of each other. So you see that kind of like a pack separation, like you do in NASCAR, right? You get a, you get a fast pack of cars that get out in front, or in this case bikes. So the Indians are all up there running, you know, fender to fender. And then there's a gap between the next group of bikes behind them. And you can see that on the miles. They do, they do tuck in and you see bikes working together, which, which looks pretty cool. Yeah. Rogers asked about drafting. So yeah, they do do drafting. Yeah. Yeah. And the miles, it definitely comes into play. And I don't, I don't know about the half miles, but. Just since there's a few more races, I guess I need to watch it. Well, the Oklahoma mile was an embarrassment. This one, I'm looking through this one now. The first and second, the interval between first and second was uh, less than one second. Then the next bike, so these were all three Indians on the podium again, was five seconds back. But then the fourth place bike, Sammy Halbert again on his Yamaha, is 17 seconds back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, good night. Thanks for coming, folks. Yep. So, yeah, that was part of one of the titles we were working with, right? It was flat tracks all Indian all the time, or is it? Harley's had, what, four podiums? And I think Kawasaki's had five or six. Oh, so Harley has gotten on the podium? A few times, yep. But they haven't won one, correct? No, they haven't won one, but they've, they were third at Charlotte. They were 
was the other one. They were second at the uh, Rolling Wheels Half Mile, and they were third at the Buffalo Chip TT. And I thought there was one more. So it's only three. Well, there was even a Zuki up there. Oh, no, sorry, wrong, wrong class, sorry. Wrong class. I has to say that's the singles. <laughs> sorry, I was looking at... Yeah, but Kawasaki's got, let's see, three, four, five, six, six podiums to Harley's three. And, and the interesting thing on that Harley one with Sammy was he was on the old bike. Was he really? Yeah. He was on the XR, not the XG. Which track was that? Charlotte. That was a Charlotte. Okay. So he was the third one. Let me see. Let me roll back to that one. Third and fourth were on the XRs. Charlotte half mile. Yep. Sammy Halbert, you are correct, my friend. So there you go. So I don't think, and where else was the recently, right? You said they were, where did they come in podium? Yeah. So it's the XR. Sammy did it on the um, rolling wheels. Half mile? Half mile was on the XR as well. So the I don't think the new bike has, has actually... Um, so the new bike might not have podiumed at all. Correct. <laughs> well, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe they could put a Milwaukee 8 into the flat track bike. What do you think about that? The 114, that'll beat him. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so Sammy Halbert, when he runs... Runs a Harley. Runs a ra- Harley because he's a privateer. He's not a factory rider. Yep. He's running an XR. That's that's even more interesting. So the question is, maybe Harley needs to get him to come on the, over there to uh, run on a new bike and see what happens. Was he a factory rider at one point? I don't know. I'll have to go look into that. Put that in your U-turn notes. Okay. We'll do the flat track U-turn. All right. I know we were going to try and follow flat track more this year. It just didn't pan out. I just wasn't interested. Yeah. It was just, I mean, I have nothing against Indian, but man, it was just getting nauseating watching that every week. It's like when Jeff Gordon came into NASCAR. I couldn't stand that either. Being an, being an Earnhardt fan and all, I was like, who is this punk coming in here winning everything? <laughs> but you know what's funny? I think part of that came down to to driver and also setup. Yeah, they had some wicked cars. And I say that, if you're getting into racing here real quick and don't mean to NAS, get into NASCAR with our motorcycle podcast here, but that's the same thing with Jimmy Johnson. I mean, if you look at him, how much he's won, it's driver, car, and, and crew, yeah, and crew, and how the crew chief, you know, Chad Knauss can go through race and alter or fix and tweak the car to the end. I see your comment on the factory XG riders. There's two, right? So the two XG 750R Harleys that are in flat track, those are factory bikes. There's not a oh. pri- there's not a privateer XG. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, but there is only two of them, and that's another thing I thought about was. Maybe Harley will add a third bike. Just right. gives them another, you know, it's the whole, when NASCAR went to three, four, or five cars, right? It's more people, more resources, more more riders to bounce ideas off of. And maybe that third person just becomes a developmental rider. 
they go out and test everything for the next week or or whatever. But it's just another bike on the track from the factory team, I think would be a good idea. Yeah. Well. You can't sweep the podium with two bikes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so. Alrighty. Shall we move on to something? Good enough for flat track, but I, I am going to come back to this. So let's pin it as a U-turn. I am going to come back. I want to dig into 2016 some more. I want to see how the XRs did, like for maybe the last two years, um, and the riders too. You know, I want to follow the riders from season to season and see what they've done. You know, the guys who are running Harley now, and then of course the the Indian guys now. Right. Okay. So we'll see. All righty, sir. All right. Uh, before we head on to, let's see, our U-turn, we're going to do a little news roundup. We need to take a moment and recognize the people that make our show possible. That would be the riders of Loud Pipes. And, of course, we thank them for their continued support and encourage everyone to visit loudpipes.net slash donate and select the reward that fits your needs and budget. So let's kick it off with our barbershop riders. First five members, Jebby and Zion. Thank you both very much. And we also have Chuck, Mike, and Chris in the barbershop group. On the riders group, we have our first five members, Marcus, Rickard, and Edward. Who, Edward, Mr. Anderson, we might see you on Saturday. Woo woo. Yes, we might. The rest of the riders group is Steve, Micah, Jim, Kenny, Roger, and Dangerous Dave. And we might see Micah on Saturday as well. And actually, uh, Mike as well. Forgot him from the barbershop side. And also our insiders group, which would be Darren and the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. Sweet. Thank you, guys. Oh, wait, we don't have a U-turn, do we? You have a topic here. You have a comment. It's more of a question. Anything else on the 2018 Harleys we didn't touch on or something you might want to go back to? Well, we got... uh, uh Uh-oh, you got warned. One thing we didn't touch on. What's that? The V-Rod, officially gone. We didn't even talk about that. I mean, we, yeah, we all kind of knew, we all kind of knew it was happening anyway, because they announced that they were sort of winding it down last year, but now it's official. It's not even in the lineup. Mm. I'll go. Not even the muscle? The V-Rod is gone. Hmm. All right. Well, on that little topic of U-turn, there was, uh, and we'll give it in the clubhouse, one of uh, Roger's buddies that had that CVO breakout went and bought a fat, fat bob. Fat Bob or Fat Boy? That was a Bob. Mm, Uh-oh. Roger? Roger. <laughs> he had a breakout. It wasn't a CVO, but he had a breakout. Right, okay, yeah. 17, and then he went for it. I thought he said a new Fat Boy. But anyway, we'll let him come back to that. But but yeah, we spent a lot of time going on and on about the, you know, the Dyna being gone and you know how those models folded into Softails. He did. He he went for a fat boy. Okay. But yeah, we, we sort of just glossed over that V-Rod is also gone. Hmm. Well, well, we knew that was coming. Yeah, that one's not a surprise. We knew that was coming. The Dyna one, at least to me, was a complete surprise. Um, of course, because we didn't see the new Softail platform coming. But I'll miss the V-Rod. That was a interesting bike to have in the lineup 
that I thought showed that that Harley could at least think of something other than a big V-twin. Well, okay, the V-rod's a V-twin, duh. But, I mean, it was different. It was liquid-cooled. Right. It had and a it completely was, different take than the rest of the cruisers. Right. It was more trying to hit a different demographic of riders is where I think it was going. Yeah, more performance-oriented, for sure. Maybe a little, little younger rider, although they were expensive bikes. So, I mean, I know Amp that has been on the show has really liked the bike and has really... He likes his V-Rod, so... At the V-Rod was high on my list. I don't know if we've talked about it, but when I was shopping and before I bought my Deuce, the V-Rod was very high on the list. And the number one reason that I didn't buy it is I wanted my first Harley to be more traditional. So some would argue it should have been a Dyna because the soft tail is balanced. But, you know, I just wanted the traditional air-cooled V-Twin for my first Harley. And then I always figured at some point I would also get a V-Rod for something to be a little faster and I guess not. Never got not around, never got around to it. Never got around to it. Nope. Guess not. Well so that's one Harley's uh, all the budget my budget could take. Yeah. One 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 in the stable's enough for you? Well, I'm not saying one is enough, but one, one is all the budget would provide. Right. Um I'm trying to think, is there anything else? I I no. I think the other thing that came out not trying to go into clubhouse much, but Mr. Anderson threw out tonight that the new lineup, pretty much the fat Bob is the only one that's really, everything else is, eh, the fat Bob is the one that's touching. It's tickling everybody but me. <laughs> like I said last week, I'm just, just not my thing, I guess. Yeah. So anyways, that's all I got. All right. News roundup. News roundup. Let's go. A little rapid fire. All right, let's hit that. So, news roundup. This is actually a twofer. Okay. So, Yamaha announced a new bagger. Ooh, good day. Ooh, the Star Eluder. All righty. Interesting name, which is funny that they announced it right at the same time they announced that the venture is delayed. <laughs> in mm. December. <laughs> so, that's your Yamaha bagger twofer. Okay. Oh, let me get my timer ready. Hold on, hold on. That's my summary. You have your 60. Uh, eventually. <laughs> my 60 eventually, huh? <laughs> As you see tonight, uh, we are kids really were, The off. kids were playing with my phone, so now it's set on... Uh, the timer is set to stop playing, and it's not going to play my dang sound. Do I need to get my oh, timer out? Kids, I'm going to. Oh, I I'm going to. All right, I'm ready. 60 seconds, Johnny. John. All right, let's go. Go. All right, so the new bagger, when I first looked at it, it was really interesting. I looked at the picture, and I'm like, victory. It's a freaking victory. <laughs> Jesus. How the engine looks and how the V, you know, the engine sits in there. Look at it. It looks like a victory. <laughs> kind of like a first glance. Um. I do think that they're they're going after where Victory left off and going after Indian Harley. They're going after the market, which is which is cool. Now the delays, hopefully there there are issues with 
going on with something and hopefully they found some type of little bug that they need to correct and get fixed. I haven't really looked into the reason why they're delayed. So, hmm. Good job. You leaving 10 on the board. I'm leaving 10 on the board. All right. Oh, but hey, real cool. Real quick. It is pretty cool. They're giving a thousand dollars credit if you've ordered one and it's being delayed. If you've ordered a venture? Yep. No kidding. As part of the committed commitment to customer service, Yamaha Motors Corporation will provide customers who participated in the priority delivery program with a thousand dollar genuine Yamaha parts and accessory purchase credit. Oh, they're not giving you any money then. Okay, you get a thousand dollars in parts and accessories. It's like a it's like a gift card to the Yamaha store. Okay, which most likely if you're buying a bike, you're going to go buy some parts. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying they're not giving it's disingenuous to say they're giving you money. Okay. If they're giving me money, they're going to put cash in my hand that I can spend anywhere. They're giving you a credit, right? They're giving you a merchandise credit. All right, they're giving me merchandise credit. But it's still $1,000 you didn't have before in merchandise. That's true. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't look the gift horse in the mouth, but still. All right. Start your timer. <laughs> For what? Aren't you doing your little? Are you going to let me have 60 as well? Yeah, have 60. All right. Get it off, my friend. All right. Well, my take on the eluder is, I guess now that I see it, no surprise. You know, I, I figured when this, when the big venture came out, I looked at it and I was like, okay, you know, now let's take the top case off and then we have a bagger. So that's what they've done here is it's all the rest of it appears to be visually the same, except for some things are blacked out. The windshield's chopped a little bit. Uh, the front wheel appears to be a little bigger, but other than that, it it appears to be the same platform. So, unfortunately for Yamaha, there's a lot of shared parts in there, so that delay on the venture is most likely going to bleed over into this new bike. So, yeah, hopefully they get that sorted out and and get these things rolling in the showrooms because I can't wait to ride it. I think it is an interesting alternative to the status quo. And then I'll leave it right there. All right. Right on time. <laughs> and and the and the bagger is. I had a number here. It's only slightly less money. Well, I was looking at weight. It's seventy five pounds lighter. Yeah, because yeah, there's no top case, and that windshield is quite a bit shorter. And Roger, to answer your question, the venture is not water cooled. Yes, I don't. I don't believe it is. Nope. It's uh, it's air cooled. Air and oil cooled, most likely. Yep. All right. Rapid firing along. All right. Um, this will be an interesting one because we don't we haven't talked about custom bikes a whole lot. And as with all these, we'll have links in the show notes to all these articles. A custom blog that we read quite frequently, at least I do, but uh, Cyril Hughes' uh, post uh, puts out all the custom news in the motorcycle world. And they're sort of calling out all custom builders as Team America seeks a new member, as the title says. And we've talked about this with our guys from Sweden in the clubhouse in that the AMD World Championship bike build-off 
basically takes people from all around the world and you sort of have to gain entry, um, gain entry into the competition to get to the global stage. So the AIM Expo coming up here September 21st is the last opportunity to get into the AMD World Championship. So if you're a custom builder and you want to get into the show, go check it out. Johnny John? Hmm. Custom World? I know you don't really look at that too often, but I sort of keep pulling you in with sending you bikes constantly (laughs) in the stream, in the clubhouse and stuff. Oh, yeah. I th- I think it's neat that you know that they're trying to get somebody new and come on a custom bike and as a team build it. But you had a good time at Easy Riders and and you liked the customs when we were down at at Barber as well. Yeah, they're not bad. I enjoy them. You know, it's it's neat to see some people come up with and change and modify. So it'd be kind of cool to see what they do and who ha- you know ends up at Barber or not Barber at Aim and. Yeah. I have nothing else. I'll say, and you're out of time, my friend. Look at that. All right. You want your 60? Yeah, I'll take 60 on this one. And the only thing I really want to say is I I enjoy custom bikes. I I really like to see what people can do uh, with with their hands. You know, taking taking and creating something out of nothing is is kind of the coolest thing. And I, I don't mean out of nothing, but you know, not just taking a stock bike and, you know, a little cut here, a little cut there and some paint, but, but really crafting some parts, crafting your own, you know, exhaust or even your own frame and things like that, you know, different motor components that get added on or created. So I like to see the different things that people come up with. And like you said, uh, Marcus turned us on to this AMD uh, championship probably two years ago. And we've been kind of following that off and on. And it's neat to see this is the last entry going in from the U.S., so I can't wait to see the team that that comes out of it to represent good old USA. Yep, cool. And that's my time. That's your time? That's my time. So thank you, sir. I only had two for this go-around. Well, I had three, but the first one ended up being a twofer, so. (laughs) All right. Try to to keep that at three. Well, I think we're going to have some more news coming here in the next week or two. Yeah, news is going to start getting heavy with the bike shows. Aim's, AIM's about ready to drop, and I could see that happening. So, yeah, AIM, ICMA, all the all the big shows for sure. So, it's going to get busy. Right. All right, let's go over to the garage just for a minute. <laughs> the garage, the shop, whatever we call it. And I only have one. Go ahead. Yeah, you got something you've been working on. Yeah, just one tiny tiny little change to the deuce. I had noticed that the front brake um, reservoir cover was cracked. And the paint has sort of been peeling, I think, almost forever, which I assume was just a little brake fluid that kind of weeped out or came out during maintenance and then just sort of was causing the paint to peel. But as I looked closer, I could see that the, the cover was actually cracked. So it was weeping a little fluid from time to time and causing the the paint to peel around the edge. So I ordered up a new part from J&P Cycles. It was actually from Covington Customs. is where the part comes from, and looks fantastic on the bike. Yeah, I saw a picture of that you posted. It looks pretty good, man. Really nice. It's one of those small details that you would never notice on the bike, but 
it's just a nice little touch. And then, and now I have to get the one for the rear <laughs> to match. Oh, mm. which was pointed out by my eight year old son. He's what like, say, dad, dad doesn't match. Yeah. He's like, yeah, dad, that's pretty cool. He's like, whoa. And he looks down to the rear brake. He's like, what, what's that down there? I'm like that's the rear cover, just like the front. He's like, oh, you need one for there too. Don't you? I was like, man, get out of here. It's <laughs> uh, not the spend my money segment. Move on, kid. <laughs> oh, so, yes. I thought that was cool because I was like, yeah, right on. We do need the rear one. So do you have any more spend my money segments? We don't have any that were sent in by listeners, but I did sort of dream up one that we can do. It'd be kind of fun. Ready for a new okay. one? I don't know. It's up to you. Do you want to do one or you want to? I'm waiting for an invite from one of the people I know on Moto Mino. I'm trying to get him to put one in there. Okay. Well, we'll pitch it out there. This this is germane to a lot of things we've been talking about lately. And maybe we'll we'll get the listeners in on this one. Since we won't cover it for 100, it'll probably be 101 or beyond before we get back to it. But here's the scenario. It's fairly simple. The rider is looking for the ultimate long distance touring bike the more creature comforts the better they have around 30k to spend what do you think interesting interesting very interesting so we've been talking about baggers and touring bikes anyway so i figure that would be a good spend my money segment and if people want to chime in on that one it'd be fun yeah i agree so as we're talking about the garage how's the packing on the spider doing you got to redo it again or are you done I'm done for right now. You're done. What, no 1,500-mile trip plan tomorrow? No, no. I do have just a little 300-mile, no, 160-mile little jaunt I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to ride Saturday, too, after the show. Let's go ride. All right. All right. We can go do that. We can go ride. I'm all good. Yeah. Only, only problem is, is that um, when I put the exhaust, and I don't remember from the first time when I put the exhaust back on, down where the clamp meets with the catalytic converter, there's a little exhaust leak. I put my hand down there, I feel a little oh. air coming out down there. Can you hear it? Does it make a noise? Not really. No. You know, it's just it's down there. It's kind of one of those things. I ought to show you. Oh, I had one other garage thing to talk about. I almost forgot about this one. Yeah, man. It doesn't relate to the bike, but I cleaned off uh, a workbench space, mounted a vise to the bench, and, and installed an overhead light, uh, fluorescent overhead light. So now I have a nice little workspace in the garage, you know, with a proper vise that swivels. Well, swivels, goes upside down. You know, it kind of has that rotatable head. Right. Mounted that to the bench. I got a nice big thick piece of plywood for the old cabinets that we took out of the kids' bathroom. So those are in the garage up against the front wall. So I have like let's see, that's eight feet across and the other bench I think is six feet. So I have about thirteen feet of bench space now with the vice mounted in about five feet from the end. So a really cool place to work on stuff now, plus a nice overhead light. You know, power, air compressor. So I'm ready to, I'm ready for winter project. 
Oh yeah, you you got a winter project lined up yet? Yeah, it's blue, <laughs> blue and white. Blue and white. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So that was the only part I didn't get to. Is the idea was to get the garage cleaned out. I still have a little more to do, and I'll move the R six up to the garage and get all all the tool stuff in the basement needs to get to the garage. So that's the split. If it's automotive related, it's going in the garage. If it's lawn and garden or, you know, home tools, you know, like paint and rollers and stuff like that, that stuff's going to move to the basement. And I'm going to have a nice little separation. I can't wait. It'd be nice to have a, like a full workspace set up with all my tools in one spot. Cause right now they're all over the house and it's driving me bananas. Yeah, mine's kind of crazy. Um, I actually need to go in a garage and clean up and reorganize. Like me, you need to purge. I've seen your garage. Purge a little bit, yes. Yes. I think yes. it's called dumpster at this point. Um, it's been purged once or twice already. But I've been filling up the, the city trash can almost every week for about a month and a half, so I've just been chucking stuff out of the garage. So it's nice to get, so I have a, I have a dedicated space for all the bike stuff, you know, all the helmets and the gear and the gloves and all that stuff is in one cabinet. I have a couple of drawers for all the, for all my gear. It's really cool. It's coming together nicely. All my gears in the house. I have all the gear we are cleaned up and stuff was kind of like in the entryway come in. There's a couple of nails from some other stuff that we had hanging that I was using hangers to hang my jackets on and some other stuff. And we cleaned out the the closet down there and all the gear moved in. Well, jacket and pants moved into there. Helmet's still on the shelf. All right. All right. So sir. what events do we got coming up? Just one, my man. Just one. Ray Price, Capital City Bike Fest. Towards that's the end of it? September, that's it. There's no other events? That's all we have right now. I am taking that ride in November across the, across the state. Yeah. That's just a ride, though. It's not really an event. All right. <laughs> you going to come out and meet up with me on that day? Maybe. We'll see. All right. Take a little jaunt with us a little bit. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks, John. And one last time, I would like to... Thank the riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. We really do appreciate uh, everything that's sent our way and encourage everyone to also check out loudpipes.net slash donate for more information. Additional information specific to this episode can be found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 99. And here you'll also find links there to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and follow us on social media. All right, John, just you and me. Kick stands up. Park and break off. Full throttle. Let's get out of here. All right. Later, man. Later. Thank you for listening. 
please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.